when I think about the capacity for people that carry a lot of trauma to drop into states of deep awareness through meditation and yoga, it's hard. It's really hard when we carry a lot of trauma in our being. Part of what I see through technologies like yours is it's a way for people that have a lot going on, a lot of distractibility, a lot of locked fear in their body. It's a way to get in deeper and safer and quicker than ways that we've had up until this point. You know, I, I struggled with as a st storyteller and, and a broadcaster of, you know, there's no breaks in that. It's not like after you went out and covered a triple homicide that you came back and they're like, okay, now we're going to talk about what we just saw. No, you are sent out again and again and again and again and again. Not having the ability to process those things hurts. And my hope is that going forward that these newsrooms, and they are getting better in providing more of these digital tools. Welcome to Crazy Wisdom. I'm your host, Luke Antrop. Crazy Wisdom is our show about the wild, the unexpected and interesting places we find ourselves in during our quest to live a life of deeper meaning and deeper truth. My hope is with each conversation and each story, you discover a new part of yourself on your journey towards making the most out of this one wild and precious life. This is a Soulfire production. Well, I'm thrilled to welcome to this week's show, Sarah Hill. Sarah is the CEO and chief storyteller of Helium. Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Helium is? Helium, unlike the gas, um, is actually a tool to self-manage your anxiety and your sleep hygiene. These are virtual and augmented reality experiences that have the option to be controlled by your body's electricity. So. In short, it's just a drugless drug for this, the Stress Olympics that not all of us have trained for. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Well, so the listeners of this show will know, like a lot of the places we've gone are in some of the unusual and unorthodox areas of personal growth and meditation and yoga and relational arts. And, you know, I just thought it would be really interesting to take this conversation a different way, which is the intersection of consciousness and technology. And I had a chance to meet you. I don't know. We were, before we hit record, we were saying it's probably been five years or so. I think so. Yeah. At one of my favorite conferences. When I left my uh, job as a healthcare executive many years ago, I said I was never going back to another conference. I never want to sit in another conference chair. I'm done with conferences. However, there is one conference that I love, which is the Transformational Technology Conference. And it is just this. It's like, how do we use technology to evolve our consciousness, enable humans to live from a you know more balanced, better, holistic life. And, and I met you there on the kind of the demo floor, which is kind of a wild place, right? It's like you can go from one booth where you're having a psychedelic art journey to the next booth where you're in a psychotherapeutic session with a uh, therapist that's in, you know, on the other side of the world while you're meeting on a virtual island in the middle of the ocean. And I was really struck by your tool and your, your company. It's, it stayed with me, the thoughts of, of kind of where we went in that demo, you know, all these years later. So I thought it would be just wonderful to have you on the show and, and talk a little bit more about this technology that you're developing and a bit about your journey as a founder. How's that sound? 
Absolutely. Well, mutual admiration. It's great to connect with you again. And I always love the Transformative Tech Conference. A lot of great like, like minds attend that event. So yes, Helium is a six-year-old company. And since you probably last tried us, if it was five years ago, we've integrated a lot of experiences, more wearables. We've developed a sleep product and are essentially providing people drugless tools, drugless, non-harmful coping mechanisms to allow them to learn to self-regulate their anxiety and downshift their nervous system before sleep. And all we're doing is allowing you know, the user to see their own brain patterns and heart rate and then personify that data in real time so they can see it visualized. And you may have heard of something called generative AI that's been in the news uh, lately or, or uh, all of these uh, platforms that you can type in something and it will generate either text or images. So Helium has been doing that for years, and, but it, we're using biometric data. So heart rate, uh, brain, brain patterns, and via either an EEG meditation headband, like a BrainLink light EEG headband or an Apple Watch, you're able to visualize those things that have historically been unseen inside the body in a way that's spatial. You can actually illuminate a solar system with your heart rate. You can play stress or, or play ball with your stress animal, which is a virtual reality jaguar. And that jaguar will start in an agitated or a pounce position. It's your stress animal. And as you soften or quiet your mind, it will soften its stance. It will sit down right next to you and start to lick its paw. Again, giving the user a visual to know how to self-regulate because with traditional meditation, which is excellent, and if you are a traditional meditator, keep doing that. But sometimes I struggled in wondering, am I, am I doing this right? What's happening inside my mind? And helium is just that feeling mirror that allows you to see your own brain patterns and heart rate and to know that they have power to control things, not only in the virtual world, but in the real world as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really fascinating. I mean, this is the kind of, you know, biohacking around meditation that can really accelerate one's understanding and experience of these deeper states of stillness and peace. What specifically, like for those that are, you know, like me, a little bit more scientifically minded, like what specifically are we measuring and looking for as we're calming the Jaguar? So it varies depending on what kind of wearable you're using, mm -hmm. but with, um, and we're hardware agnostic. So eventually we want to work with all wearables, but right now we have two compatible wearables with a third on the way, uh, that's actually allows you to incorporate aroma into these experiences and to smell the video, uh, and the assets, not just, uh, interact with them. So with a BrainLink headband, you are using your feelings of focused calm in order to control the, the Jaguar. And so the more your brain patterns associated with focused calm are uh, meeting a certain threshold that's set on an individual user by setting a baseline, then you know, that experience is, is reacting to them. So you might think of it like reactive media. And then with an Apple Watch, it's measuring straight heart rate, straight BPM, beats per minute, 
And as you lower your heart rate, you're visually rewarded with butterflies hatching out of a chrysalis, with fireflies coming out on the screen. Uh, we have some new experiences where you actually have an aura and these, there are these little bubbles. And as these bubbles uh, change color, your goal is to make them blue. So you, inside the experiences, you are trying to make your bubbles blue or trying to reduce your stress and, and increase your feelings of focused calm. Right. So the idea here is with some hardware, right, uh, that will interface with the app on any sort of tablet or phone, you begin to be able to get immediate feedback around your state of mind and your body. You're getting both, as you said, like we're getting heart rate, but we're also getting the kind of neurofeedback that's really critical around these states of consciousness. On this podcast, we've talked a little bit about this, the difference between a state experience, which is what you're describing, right? Where we're able to evoke a state of awareness or consciousness that's maybe deeper or more peaceful than our everyday existence. And over time, the more of these state experiences we have, we're training our mind and our body mind towards a stage of development where we essentially live from a deeper place of awareness, right? So this is, in my mind, I just love these tools because it's like, it's, it's accelerates the training, the state experience training so that over time, it just becomes a bit more of how we live. Is that right? Absolutely. And also the addition of immersive media or virtual reality, which if people aren't familiar with what that is, either via a Quest virtual reality goggles or Pico G24K goggles, you put them on and you're instantly inside kind of like a bubble of, of video. And research... External research and our own research shows that virtual reality is more memorable. It's more emotionally engaging to the user. And that adds value. So, you know, certainly viewing these experiences inside an immersive environment is valuable. But when you add that feedback, that real-time feedback, either bio or, or neurofeedback, that increases the engagement. And it increases the likelihood that the user actually wants to go back into the experience and do it again. Yeah. So I have some VR, AR goggles myself. And, you know, for me, the, the idea of just fully being in this beautiful, exquisite art um, that is responding to my state of mind, it's, uh, it's a lovely experience. Of course, you know, it doesn't, doesn't for me, it never replaces like a long walk in the woods or a week of meditation on the mountaintop. But to be able to do this in like 10 minutes in the middle of a busy day between, you know, coaching clients or, you know, giving it to my kids at the end of a day to help them calm their nervous system, it, it's this very kind of accelerated way to reach a, a state that maybe in the past has been a little harder to access. Is that right? Absolutely. And helium is not designed to be a replacement for professional counseling, which we all know is one of the best things that we can do for ourselves. It's also not a replacement for psychotropic medication, but it is providing you a walk in the park when you can't physically take a walk in the park, or if you can't physically uh, take, take a, a walk in the park. And you know, uh, nothing compares to the real thing, but you might liken the experiences inside Helium to be like a warm bath 
or a walk in the park. Certainly those feelings aren't permanent. However, you can create a stored memory of what you saw inside the goggles and to be able to recall that anytime you want. So for instance, we have a lot of schools that are using helium. They're installing mental fitness stations where the students can slip into the goggles anytime they experience stress. And they're having great success with that and combining not only the virtual worlds, but the physical worlds. So for instance, some of these schools, there's a beautiful experience on helium, H-E-A-L-I-U-M. That's how you spell it. Not like the gas, but like healing. And it's called a crystal forest. And inside that crystal forest, you glide through it and there's beautiful blue crystals. And then at the very end, you're presented with a triple double rainbow. And who doesn't need a triple double rainbow like every <laughs> single day, right? <laughs> so you can have one anytime you want it. But not everyone has virtual reality goggles. And certainly for students, when they go home or into their regular activities, you can't always you know, slip on the goggles. So you need to create that stored memory. And so what some of these teachers are doing is actually giving the students a, a physical, tangible object, a crystal, for them to hold in their hands and remember that feeling that they had inside helium. And they're able to you know, recall that feeling anytime they want. So yes, there's power in the great power in the physical world of real nature. There's great power in the virtual world, of virtual nature. And when you combine both of them together, that's what, what's really fascinating to see unfold. Yeah, yeah, truly. Essentially, we're, we're training ourselves to for around nervous system regulation and these deeper states of awareness. I remember the, this, you know, when we had this demo those many years ago, four or five years ago, I had this question for you that I want to I want to kind of pose again here, which was like all of these meditation tools, they're all to, they're they're all kind of moving towards this idea of like taking people into peaceful states of mind, right? And what I know about the human soul and psyche is that it also requires we go into like the uncomfortable places in the human mind, the places that we hold pain, the places of closure. And that um, that's actually where some of the deeper healing goes, not by kind of bypassing and just feeling the good stuff. We also, at times in the, in the right setting, we need to feel the uncomfortable emotions as a way of kind of, of drawing those towards health. And, you know, I, I said this to you and I'm like, well, what do we do about like, you know, negative emotions in this if we're only trying to evoke these peaceful things? And without missing a beat, I'm hooked up to the to the helium, right? This particular exercise was with butterflies, right? So the more peaceful you are, the more the butterflies float up. And you start saying, Luke, you said something like, I'm going to just, I may, I may mess this up, but you're like, Luke, you're no good. Nobody likes you. You're a worthless piece of beep. You know, what are you doing? And we watched, there was like this about seven to 10 second pause, the butterflies are floating. And then all of a sudden the butterflies go away. And I, and then I could feel my face start to get a little flushed, you know, and like having a normal response of when someone is experiencing emotion like shame or anger or, you know, fear, I could feel it, right? My body, my heart rate increases. And it was this really amazing experiment of like, oh, this is what the body does when it's under stress immediately within it. Within a few seconds, it adjusted and, you know, I started feeling sweat, sweat on my body. 
and uh, the butterflies went away. So then we were like, okay, well, how do we get the butterflies back? So I'm taking, you know, I'm connected to my breath. And, and for me, it was this very interesting illumination about, you know, how we do work with these more intense emotions. And I'm remembering you saying like you, in the moment, you're like, wow, like that took a while for that to happen. I don't know if you were doing this to all the people that came to your booth, shaming them very publicly. But, um, but for me, there was this like seven to 10 second delay. And I attributed that actually that delay to my meditation practice. In fact, like there was this time of like, ah, well, this is interesting. This is unexpected. What is she saying? And it's kind of that Viktor Frankl thing about like, between stimulus and response, there's a choice point, right? Mm -hmm. And I just remember that in those split seconds, saying like, okay, this is interesting. And, and I think the longer we do these types of practices, we do have a little bit of a gap. It's not that the shame doesn't come or the, the feeling of anger doesn't come, but there's a little bit of a gap before it happens. And to see that play out as butterflies in, in front of me was really fascinating. Well, first off, I apologize if I shamed you. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, not, it was... <laughs> you know, I was, I was uh, trying to il illustrate a, a, a point, but um, I'm glad that you, you know, what a great observation too, the ability to be mindful and to, you know, know to take, take a breath essentially before you acted. And, you know, what a, what a great tool that, that you have in your tool set in order to do that. and you know, a, a tool that can allow you to become more self-aware of that. And that's the only, that's the, the, the key purpose of helium is allowing you to become more self-aware of what your brain patterns associated with positivity, mindfulness, focus, calm look like, and how do they, they react so that it can aid you in, in, you know, the ability to learn to self-regulate. And I don't know about you, but learning to self-regulate my brain patterns was, was not something that I learned until my early 40s, late 30s. Like I was a grown adult before anyone had taught me that. And, you know, now with the advent of meditation and neuromeditation, which are some of the core principles of, of helium, they are learning it at a very young age. In many of these schools, you know, they are taking a heart rate measurement before they go into their quiet rooms, you know, and after. So that student is self-aware of, oh, what I did in there actually, you know, downshifted, downshifted my, my nervous system. So a very important skill that you have. And, and, you know, that's just what we're, we're trying to do with helium is allow other people to develop that skill as well. Yeah. Amazing. And just to be clear, it was a, it was a, uh, I was a willing participant in my own, <laughs> in my own shame spiral there. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I knew what I was signing up for. Mostly. So yeah, of course, we have these emotional reactions. And then with training, with this kind of neurofeedback, we begin to be able to more quickly return back to a state of peace or a more relaxed, a more chill state of mind. You know, when I think about these types of technologies, I love the author Harari and his, some of his work. And he talks about, we're in some ways, we're like a new species being born right now in our lifetime, becoming integrated, like these cyborgs integrated with technology. And in our lifetime, there's going to be neuro implants and all sorts of just 
really amazing edgy evolutions that are you know there's a lot of uncertainty around it and you know for me i i have this kind of conflicted feeling about it i'm sure m- most of us do where you know we we look at all the research that around social media and and what it does with you know just massive dopamine um addiction to screens and um and how much we i mean we don't even we don't even fully realize i think yet what the impact of that will be on our species and we won't know for probably decades but it's not good <laughs> it's very clear it's not good and then we have these really amazing generative technologies like yours and some of the others in this space that are you know accelerating our capacity to go to, to understand and experience deeper states and i just for me i i'm kind of always in this tension between you know, relationship to technology and not. And I, I just love to get your point of view on this challenge that we're up against culturally and, and kind of how your solution fits into this polarity of, you know, generativity and, and kind of human evolution and then just some pretty massive side effects that are we don't even fully understand yet. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because your diet doesn't just relate to the food that you consume. It's also the media you consume. And I was a television broadcaster for decades, covered a lot of awful stuff, you know, as a reporter, you know, rapes, murders, homicides. And that media diet that I had chosen to consume for decades, like myself and many other journalists in the field, ultimately it made me sick, Mm -hmm. developed an inability to sleep and insomnia and anxiety and, you know, was looking for those drugless tools. But just like media has the ability to hurt in that when I say hurt, when you are reading um, or watching a a video news story about what's going on uh, in the war or politics or anything like, like that, that shifts and impacts your brain patterns. It raises your heart rate. It increases the stress response that is well documented. And, you know, just as what we're consuming with our eyes, either in our social media feed or on news broadcasts has the ability to hurt, media also has the ability to heal. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I, I mean that in your diet, you can also have positive fiber. And if you don't balance out that negative fiber in your media diet with positive fiber, well, absolutely, you're, you're going to. Uh, get sick and you're not going to be able to sleep or, or perform at your best. But social media also has the positive fiber in it is as well. It is important connections. It allows you to discover whom to vote for. It allows you to know whether or not you're safe from a tornado or a flood and to be alerted. So I, I think it's important to note that, you know, not all social media, you know, is bad. It has to be properly tempered, just mm-hmm. like any other technology, with either things in the real world, if you have access to them, or, or positive fiber in, in the virtual world. And, you know, it's a very interesting point now with all that's happening with, uh, there are our parents who are, are suing social media companies because of its impact on their children's mental wellness. And so there's a really fascinating conversation and dilemma that's going on out there, specifically if you watch the documentary Social Dilemma, that was very eye-opening 
on how much, you know, a negative and media diet can short circuit the brain and impact sleep, sleep and, and mental wellness. And I think more and more we'll be hearing conversations about that, that it's not just food. It's actually what you're consuming with your eyes. Yeah. Makes all the sense in the world. And well said. There are some, uh, by the way, this, this, um, the documentary that you mentioned, I recommend that uh, to all the listeners who haven't seen it. It's, it's really wonderful. There's some great organizations doing some interesting work, advocacy and research around this. The Center for Humane Technologies being kind of the, the, maybe the most notable, just doing incredible work about, you know, humans' relationship to, to tech and, and what, what to do about it. So I'm so curious. I, I think the first time I came across you, I was at the University of Missouri many years ago, and I believe that you were um, on the news in Columbia, yes? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I spent decades in the box, as we call it, yeah. as a, a television broadcaster and anchor. Ultimately, it was a great, great uh, gig that I enjoyed for, for many years, but wanted to do a little bit more at the intersection of storytelling and technology. So mm -hmm. Helium was born. Uh -huh. And so are you, tell us a little bit like how it came to be. You're the founder. Yes. This is, this is yeah, your, founder your and, baby. And, yeah. My baby founder and CEO. Mm -hmm. And it was not a linear path in any way. So we started with a group of veterans and I was trying to find a solution to these aging veterans. Some of them are, are terminally ill and they weren't able to physically travel to see their memorials in Washington, D.C. So you might have heard of the honor flight programs that fly uh, veterans on physical flights to see their, their memorials. And I was working for a great organization called Veterans United and Veterans United Foundation as their chief storyteller doing stories about these veterans. But ultimately, a lot of these men and women weren't able to travel because they were on too much oxygen or their physicians told them they might pass away. So they shouldn't you know, go on the, on the trip because it would be dangerous to their physical health. And so we were trying to figure out what technology do we have in our skill set that would enable these veterans who can't physically travel to feel like they're there. Virtual reality, right? So we created these experiences, started doing virtual tours with these veterans and noticed that VR, to me, the technologist, not, I'm not a scientist, but it appeared to me as if it was impacting their physiology. They weren't just watching these experiences. They were definitely feeling them. Their bodies would soften. We could see their breathing slow. They would take off the goggles and say, I like how I felt. Can I watch that again? And so we started to do, teamed up with uh, uh, Dr. Jeff Tarrant of the Neuromeditation Institute. He's Helium's chief science officer. Definitely look up his work. And Dr. Terrence started doing brain maps on these veterans to see what, what's happening inside their mind. And can we create these media experiences in a way that could shift brain patterns or heart rate and have a therapeutic impact on, on the user? And the answer to that was, yes, you could, absolutely. Just as media has the ability to hurt, it also has the ability to heal. And um, uh, through these experiences, you know, we, we create pieces of content and then test them uh, to see how they, they impact physiology. And that's a very long story to how Helium started, but it started trying to solve 
a simple problem for these veterans and veterans' families who weren't able to physically travel on honor flights. Yeah, amazing. And so this was about six years ago. And tell us, you know, where is the company at these days and what's on the horizon? Where you expect to grow next? Absolutely. And that Honor Everywhere program continues today as a free program. It's our company's mm-hmm. social purpose. And in addition to Helium, which is for the self-management of, of stress and anxiety, we recently launched a new product called Sleepium that's all meant content that's meant to be viewed in a reclined position to downshift the nervous system, much as you would watch a video on your phone before you fall asleep. Well, this is that on steroids because you can actually be inside the waterfall and inside Maui and all of these beautiful places. And it's interesting, the feedback that we've gotten from that product. And by the way, it's not meant, we're not asking you to wear the VR goggles while you sleep. Uh, That's not, this is meant to be as part of your sleep hygiene, your preparation. Uh, before before you go to bed. But the feedback that we get about the dreams that individuals have is really fascinating. And um, obviously the goggles have night mode or blue light filters on them that you can switch those on and a bunch of different experiences that stories really. It's, it's you know, Helium and Sleepium are, are reinventing the bed, bedtime story to be something that you not just listen to or read but you're actually immersed inside it. Yeah, incredible. It's it's incredible. Um, yeah, and I, I just recommend that people go, I mean, poke around on the Helium website, but also there's quite a few kind of short demos of what it actually looks like on YouTube. And, you know, and then, you know, of course, try out the app. It's, it's, it's really amazing. You alluded to this, you know, your own journey around essentially trauma, right? Like just consuming negative news and all the terrible things that, that happen in the world that need to be reported on. And, and I know part of your journey was, was working internationally. And, you know, I had a stretch of time in my life where I was like in New Orleans shortly after Katrina. Then I was in Rwanda, you know, much longer after the genocide, but still a very, very intense place to be at an intense time. This was maybe 15 years ago. And the genocide kind of still like permeated any interaction between two humans in a highly traumatized community. My office in New York, when I was working at the AIDS Institute in the late uh, 2000s, was the last building that didn't go down at the World Trade Center. So we were watching the excavation and the digging and making of the memorial. And, you know, this was 2000 and I think eight, maybe 2009. So they were still excavating ground zero. And, you know, I had this, you know, five-year period where I was living in pretty highly traumatized communities. And, um, you know, while my own personal trauma, I've, I've had some, but, you know, have lived a pretty uh, thankfully pretty safe life to this point, but I just, I I got to see kind of how trauma manifests in people and communities, pretty, pretty up close and personal. And, you know, when I think about the capacity for people that are, that carry a lot of trauma to drop into states of deep awareness and through meditation and yoga, it's, it doesn't, it's, it's hard. It's really hard when we carry a lot of trauma in our being. And, you know, part of what I see through technologies like yours is it's a way for people that have a lot going on, a lot of distractibility, a lot of um, 
fear, locked fear in their body. It's a way to get in deeper and safer and quicker than ways that we've had up until this point, meditation. And, and you know, there's, there's technologies like yours and new trauma treatments like EMDR that, that make it more accessible to heal people's trauma. And I'm just curious, um, you know, your point of view on this. Absolutely. And, you know, we had, we had similar paths in that the things that you're consuming with your eyes, and it's, you know, quite frequent uh, that these issues come up, not just for journalists. I mean, there's countless journalists out there who've had similar, uh, similar journeys, but first responders and, you know, other worker athletes, as, as I would call them, that are, you know, having to really use their mental capacity when you have to interview families that have lost children or, you know, talk with death row inmates or people who've, you know, taken other people's lives. Like there's a certain bit of your soul, I guess, in a way that you kind of have to give up and you in the pain that you have to immerse yourself in their pain so you can better be able to empathize and tell their stories. And so, you know, that's what, you know, I, I struggled with as a st- storyteller and, and a broadcaster of, you know, there's no breaks in that. It's not like after you went out and covered a triple homicide that you came back and they're like, okay, now we're going to talk about what we just saw. No, you are sent out, you know, again and again and again and again and again. Um, and, you know, not having the ability to process those things, you know, hurts. And my hope is that going forward that some of these, these newsrooms and they are getting better in, in providing more of these, these digital tools, but also, you know, uh, professional counseling as, as well. And not everyone will seek professional counseling. And we all know that there's a, there's a shortage of uh, shortage of, of prof- professional counselors. And I totally uh, lost your original question, but I hope that that uh, provided a little bit of con- context in that, uh, you know, we, along with a lot of other, other people are, are kindred spirits in that journey. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much. So as we bring this to a close, I have to ask the 12 time Mid-America Emmy award-winning journalist, to give me uh, some feedback, all right? So I'm one for, for feedback. I like feedback in my life. What's one thing you loved about my, my interview questions and one thing you would, you would want me to do a little differently moving forward? I can't pass up a, a chance to get some feedback from a, from, a, from a real media personality here. Well, I used to be real. Okay, yeah. former, <laughs> former. <laughs> yeah, they let me out of the box for, for good, good behavior. So what I liked about your questions is that you shared a little bit about yourself in them. Uh, and then, you know, uh, translate it to the interview subject. So that is wonderful. It also makes you more relatable to your audience and people empathize with you and they also learn more things about you. So I love it uh, that it wasn't just questions. They were introspective questions that related to your own experience. Um, so I think that's great. And as far as other feedback, um maybe in the future with your your vodcast that there was a video component that maybe in addition to just hearing it we would have the ability to actually see 
some of the experiences that your guests are working with or, or something visual. And myself, I'm a visual creature. We created a visual platform. So I always like to see things uh, in addition to hearing them as well. So how about that? Is that okay feedback? <laughs> That's great feedback. Wonderful. All right. So I appreciate it. And I so appreciate your time. Where do the listeners find you, find the, the solution? Can you point us towards for those that want to know a little bit more? You can go to tryhelium.com and helium is spelled H-E-A-L-I-U-M, like heal being the root word. So tryhelium.com. There you'll find a link to download our iOS or Android app. That's a good good place to start as well. You can search the app stores for H-E-A-L-I-U-M. And keep going. It's a pleasure to catch up with you. And I love it that you are giving a voice to drugless, non-harmful coping mechanisms. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. This is Sarah Hill. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Crazy Wisdom. If you like what you heard, please do rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen. This helps new people find the show. Maybe more importantly, it helps us grow our Crazy Wisdom community. My hope for you is between now and the next time you listen, that you try one new thing, one thing that would help you live a life of deeper purpose, deeper meaning, a life of greater love. And maybe that one thing is a little different, a little odd, a little intense, perhaps even a little crazy.